0: Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, lots of exciting news about some of our favorite TV shows, including one that returns for its sixth and
1: final season on Monday. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. I saw a couple of movies in theater that are just bananas in different ways. I'll review Ambulance and Everything Everywhere All at Once.
0: And I understand, Jeff, you checked out a new show on Crave. I'm excited to hear what you have to say about Tokyo Vice. We begin with the aforementioned show that is making its return, its triumphant return. Better Call Saul is coming back. You ever feel like you're being followed? Well, you know what they say. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. You think we're wicked? The sixth and final season of the AMC drama Better Call Saul debuts this Monday, April 18th. It's a prequel series for Breaking Bad, which was a show about a guy named Walter White, high school chemistry teacher with lung cancer, who decides to partner up with a low-life criminal named Jesse Pinkman to make crystal meth so he can just make some extra cash for his family. Turns out he was real good at it, He got involved in all sorts of shady business, went from being a good family man to essentially a villain who took himself way too seriously. It was a fabulous drama with one of the best series finales of all time. One of the primary members of the supporting cast was their sleazebag lawyer, Saul Goodman, played by Bob Odenkirk. He provided mostly comic relief during Breaking Bad, but he was definitely crucial to the series. And then they decided to make a prequel series focusing on him, starting off as a guy named Jimmy McGill, a guy who just wants to be a lawyer. But eventually becomes Saul Goodman, a low-life sleazebag lawyer. So that's what this show has been about, his journey into how he becomes the Saul Goodman we knew in Breaking Bad. And it's been excellent. Some say it's even better than Breaking Bad. I'm not sure where I stand on that. That's tough to pick. Uh, Jeff, what, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I do have thoughts, and I think Breaking Bad is still better. And the first couple of seasons of Better Call Saul, they were good, but they weren't nearly as good as what that show has since become. So I I think Breaking Bad as a show overall has been considerably better than this. But I'm excited for uh, the new Saul coming back. It's been two years, and I can't remember at all what the last thing that happened was, so I'll be uh, doing some Wikipedia reading of uh, old plot summaries before we see these new episodes.
0: Yeah, I I have a feeling I'm going to have to go through this all again. 13 episodes split into two parts for this final season. The first part debuts Monday, April 18th, and it goes until May 23rd. Once those seven episodes air, there'll be a bit of a break. Then the second part debuts July 11th, and we can confirm that Bryan Cranston and Aaron Paul will be back as Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. Again, Season 6 of Better Call Saul begins this Monday, April 18th. Whatever happens next... It's not going to go down the way
1: you think it is.
0: Also this week, a trailer was released for this...
1: Everything. Your suffering is almost an end.
0: So that's from the official trailer released this week for the Netflix smash hit Stranger Things 4. I think they were up to four teaser trailers so far but that was the trailer trailer and if you're not familiar with Stranger Things it debuted back in July of 2016 no fanfare no hype just kind of showed up people started talking about it I'm like what is this Stranger Things show everybody's Discussing. It's set in 1980s Indiana and was about a group of young friends who witness supernatural forces and a secret government chicanery. Once they start snooping, they unravel a web of interdimensional insanity where they have to fight monsters who invade our world. And they meet a girl who has some nifty telekinetic powers, thanks to some... Nasty government experiments. It was a delightful little show, incredibly nostalgic, and it quickly gained steam, becoming one of the biggest shows in the streaming services' history. Season three, you talk about a show, Jeff, better call Saul, yeah. having been gone for two years. <laughs> season three <laughs> was on three years ago in July of 2019. Now we finally have the fourth season.
1: I hey, relocated you guys far from Hawkins. Because I thought you'd be safe. A war is coming. I'm afraid your friends at Hawkins are very much... in the eye of the storm. I don't have my powers.
0: I don't know how to say this other than just to say it. you we can't win this war you got to watch the trailer just to see what they do with that song by journey separate ways worlds apart it is really cool season four is nine episodes and like everything these days for their final seasons they split them into two so this is going to be split into two volumes the first four episodes are set to debut may 27th convinced I was put here for some other reason maybe I can still help even if it's the last thing I do that is Hopper stuck in a Russian prison and we get to see the big bad guy I guess it's the one who's been pulling all the strings on the other side. He looks mean. He's being compared to Freddy Krueger, as well as the most powerful villain in Dungeons and Dragons. I have no idea who that is, but I do know I'm excited to finally get this going. So, Stranger Things Volume 4 debuts May 27th, Volume 2 debuts July 1st. You have lost. Hey Jeff, refresh my memory. I know that uh, you used to watch Stranger Things. Season three was actually kind of scary and particularly gory. Did you
1: ever watch it? I did watch it. I can't remember. Is that the one that was uh, Sam Gamgee in that one? Yeah. That was season three. Okay. I couldn't remember if that was season one or two. So, yeah, I'm all caught up on uh, Stranger Things. I'm looking forward to this. What is happening in June that none of these shows want to be on the air in June? Is something (laughs) else going on that slipped my mind? It's not an Olympics year, right? That was, uh, we had the winter ones a few months ago, but that's crazy.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, poor June just getting left behind. Actually, I can't remember now if Samwise Gamgee was in season two or three. I think it was three, but it's been so long since season three was on. And season two, it's been even longer. So I can't remember. I'm going to need to watch some sort of a mega recap. And uh, this is great news for fans of Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Hey, I need you to do me a favor. I can't do it. No, no, you gotta do it. I already got my sweats on. What is it, an immutable law of physics? Once you're in sweats, you can't get out? Newton's law of sweats? Season 12 is happening for Curb Your Enthusiasm. Larry David was asked recently if there will be a 12th season, and he answered simply with yes. It's always a pleasant surprise when we learn another season is coming because David is famously lackadaisical about whether or not he wants to return spreading those 11 seasons over 21 years, including a six-year break between seasons 8 and 9. The 11th season aired last year, and the news this week actually reminds me, I still have to watch that 11th season. <laughs> I keep forgetting it's on my PVR. No word yet, by the way, on what's happening with the Larry David story. That was that documentary that was supposed to air on HBO Max and Crave last month, but Larry David pulled it just hours before it was scheduled to air on March 1st, saying, he wants to do it in front of an audience, whatever that means. I think you could introduce me as a Renaissance man. Oh. A guy who speaks six languages. You want to impress people with lies? How else do you impress them? Season 12. You excited, Jeff?
1: I am excited. Uh, every time Larry, David, and Kirby Enthusiasm come back, it's always a momentous event for me. So, yeah, I am excited for that. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you can watch that, uh, catch up on that season 11 uh, in June when all the other shows are taking a break. <laughs> There we go. Just another
0: reason to procrastinate. Or, you know what? I saw a coffee mug the other day that if I drank coffee, I would have bought it immediately. It says, I don't procrastinate. I delegate tasks to my future self. So maybe I'll set a reminder for June. Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 11 shall be watched. In a moment, oh, I'm excited to know what Jeff thought about this. The new Michael Bay movie, Ambulance looked like it had a flare of old school Michael Bay. So that's next you're listening to the Couch Potatoes.
1: Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and I was one of the few who went to see the new Michael Bay movie Ambulance last weekend. 32 million. I am giving you the world. You are all going to have the greatest story to tell at dinner tonight. Go, go, go. Stop. 41. I'm going to need you to help us. I didn't sign up for this. Tell me, this is not the plan. Ah! We don't stop. We don't stop! Now, when I got to my local theater last Sunday afternoon for the matinee screening of Ambulance, the lobby was pretty full, but I got to say it was mostly families with kids way too small to be going to this sort of a movie. Presumably, they were there for Sonic the Hedgehog 2, but I thought my theater would have lots of people as well and that they'd all arrive at the last minute, which seems to be a growing trend. There's a, a lot of upside to being able to buy your tickets in advance from home and having assigned seats, but the downside is there's no incentive to show up early to get a good seat, so it seems more and more people just like walking in at the very last second before the movie starts and then struggling to navigate the complex numbering system of lettered rows and numbered seats. Seriously, if you're too dumb to look at a seat number and figure out where your seat will be in relation to that, just do us a favor and stay home and stop blocking (laughs) the screen while I'm trying to watch the movie. Because that's happened a bunch the last few times I've gone to the movies. Anyways, when the lights were going down, an ambulance was firing up. I was bracing myself for dozens of people to just suddenly walk in. But no, it didn't happen. It was just me and maybe 10 other people in the whole theater. I appreciated the extra space, but I was surprised it was that empty. And uh, this uh, wasn't the only empty theater in North America. Ambulance made just over $8 million its opening weekend, which is not a great showing. And is something that Michael Bay is really not used to because his movies usually do Pretty, pretty good. And it's too bad because it's actually a pretty fun movie. Ambulance stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Yaya Abdul-Mateen II as brothers, one is adopted, who are bank robbers. And when their heist goes awry, they end up stealing an ambulance with an EMT and a patient inside, and they try to make their getaway. What follows, of course, is a two-hour chase movie. As it turns out, it's hard to blend into traffic when you're driving an ambulance, so they don't really get to quietly blend in anywhere. It's a Michael Bay movie too, so if you get seasick easily, heads up. I will also say that he has uh, really, really embraced uh, drone technology putting a camera on a drone and making that thing go up and down and back and forth in crazy places. It's led to some really cool shots, but I actually had to look away a couple of times to keep from getting dizzy because of his frantic shooting and editing style, but it really worked well for this movie. It could have been shorter. It's just over two hours, and you kind of get exhausted after a while. I was impressed, though, that they kept coming up with little problems and scenarios throughout the movie to keep things interesting. As much as it is a you know a two hour car chase, there's a lot of different stuff going on. And that's where the meta comes in. She's played by Aiza Gonzalez. She's their hostage along with the cop who was shot in the bank robbery. And she's trying to keep him alive and trying to maybe see if she can't thwart these bad guys at the same time. Hall and Abdul-Mateen II, they are, you know, definitely bad guys. They're not the worst guys, though. They had no intention of killing anyone. They also want the shot cop to live, and they'll try to help out as much as they can. All they want to do is make their getaway safely. Abdul-Mateen is sort of the level-headed brother who's trying to stay calm, cool, and collected. He's also the one driving the ambulance for most of the movie. Hall, on the other hand, is... uh at a nick cage level in this movie he's just right off the wall there were many many times where i thought you know if this movie was made 25 years ago it would absolutely be nick cage in this role maybe john travolta because he can ham it up pretty good too uh Hall vacillates between talking like a like a normal ish person to just instantly shouting nonsense it's a very fun performance even though it's kind of hard to believe he's the mastermind of a bank robbery gang those people tend to be more you know with it although to be fair the other guys we meet in the gang are really dumb so sure i guess Jill and Hall could be their boss overall uh, ambulance is exactly as advertised if you watch the trailer and you think i would like that you will like it three couch cushions out of five brett for ambulance
0: all right i gotta see that love michael bay movies i love the action i don't care if they're dumb and silly uh that's good stuff new in theaters this week It's the latest in the Potterverse. The Wizarding World Films brings the latest installment, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore.
1: This memory is everything. Would this be one of your regular horns?
0: I don't have any regular horns. Dumbledore, let me see it. Sometimes I imagine I still feel it around my neck. How does it feel around yours? Grindelwald, what you're doing is madness. Our war with the Muggles begins today. Do you really intend to turn your back on your own kind? I'll burn down their world. And there's nothing you can do to stop me. So well, Mads Mikkelsen takes over for Johnny Depp as the bad guy, Gellert Grindelwald. It's getting okay reviews. The fantastic movies, which are prequels to the Harry Potter story, they're just that. They're okay. They're nothing special like those Harry Potter movies. But if you enjoy the magic stuff, then you might get a kick out of this. And also new in theaters this week. This one actually debuted on Wednesday. Mark Wahlberg stars in this movie based on a true story. Father stew. There's a man going round. Does Bill know you're fussing with this truck? I'm a son. I'm just borrowing it. I reckon it's a few months to of pay off a DUI impound. When the man comes around, I figured it out. Seventh times a charm. I'm gonna be a priest. For Halloween. No one wants to hear the gospel from the mouth of a gangster. Maybe that's exactly what they need. Gotta give it up on you still wants to make you better father stew exclusively in movie theaters april 13th after surviving a motorcycle accident a former boxer and longtime agnostic starts to wonder if he can use his second chance to help others leading to the surprising realization he's meant to be a catholic priest getting not the best reviews uh, but certainly an interesting turn for mark Wahlberg. not the kind of character i think we're used to seeing him play so those are the Two options available in theaters this week and up next we are going to learn what else jeff went to see this week including a crazy movie with a crazy title you're listening to the couch potatoes
1: welcome back to the couch potatoes i'm jeff he's brett and i saw maybe the craziest movie i've ever seen this week it's called everything everywhere all at once mom just wait no time to wait very busy
0: Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of evidence.
1: If you can imagine it, somewhere out there, it exists.
0: The universe is bigger than you realize. Do you think this is funny? There's no going back. I, could be. I just want to be here
1: with you. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once stars Michelle Yeoh as Evelyn and Quan Kwan her, as her husband, Waymond. He, of course, was a short round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Data in the Goonies. Great to see him again after all these years. The movie also stars Stephanie Sue as her daughter, Joy. She played May in the latest season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Jamie Lee Curtis also in the movie. She's just terrific. And, uh, well, I'm not <laughs> sure I even know how to explain this movie. Uh, Evelyn and Waymond own a laundromat. They get audited by... The IRS, uh, the employee at the IRS office is Jamie Lee Curtis. And Evelyn is visited by someone from a different universe in her husband's body. It turns out there are unlimited universes, a multiverse, of course, and a group uh, from the Alphaverse has come to the conclusion that only our world's Evelyn can stop an evil character from destroying everything. And now Evelyn must learn how to jump universes to other versions of herself to acquire their skills so she can fight the bad guy. And that can be tricky because in other universes, the main difference may only be that everyone there has hot dog fingers. And that doesn't really come in handy, does it, when you're trying to fight somebody? But then, of course, you'll find a universe where they're where she knows Kung Fu or something like that. So there's actually a lot of uh, the Matrix in here. It's a high concept sci fi, and there's talk of, you know, being the one and Yo has to learn her skills and all that kind of stuff. But it's also done in a very lo fi way in its execution a lot of the time, more along the lines of uh, being John Malkovich, was, which was, you know, a sci fi movie, but was also just kind of like a comedy. It's funny. It's whimsical. It's also heartwarming. And there's a strong mother daughter story at the core of it. It's brutally violent at times, but again, in such a heightened way, it doesn't really. feel like an action movie or anything it's more kind of an action comedy a lot of that kind of stuff You, you really have to sort of see it to believe it and i really enjoyed it as did most of the pack theater i saw it in Honestly, I think the only person who didn't like it was my girlfriend Kim, who, when I asked her for a quote for the show, she said something I could not repeat on air. She was not impressed, and she uh, definitely gets to pick our next movie. But again, the audience was roaring with laughter for the most part. It's the sort of movie where it definitely helps if you are adventurous in your film going, and you're open to any crazy sort of thing. And while there are shades of sci-fi things we've seen in it before, this really does feel wholly original, and I highly recommend taking a chance on it. It is too long, though. It's Two hours and 20 minutes, and I spent the whole last half hour thinking this was moments away from ending, so that wasn't great. I also did find it confusing at times. I think it would take a couple of watches to really nail the plot down and uh, how it all works with these multiverses and that sort of thing. But again, it's also the sort of movie you should just sit back and go with it and don't worry too much about how the science adds up. It's bonkers in a delightful way. I'll give uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, four couch cushions out of five
0: anything to do with the Matrix, I'm in. So, <laughs> and once you said the Matrix, I was thinking yeah. sold. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So, yeah, so that's out there uh, if you want something very, very different from a regular kind of movie. Um, something that's much more regular was uh, a movie I watched on Prime Video this week. Brett, there's a new spy thriller out there called All the Old Knives. Henry. Celia. It's been a long time
0: they've opened the books on flight 127 the hijackers had help from inside our station here in vienna we need to find out if we had a mole Vic has me looking into flight 127 so this is an interview i thought you were here to see if we still had that old spark
1: to old friends oh you can do better than that to old lovers All the old Knives stars, Chris Pine, Tandy Newton, uh, speaking of The Matrix, Lawrence Fishburne, and Jonathan Price as CIA agents working in Vienna, Austria. At least at one time, that's what they all did. They were part of a team there eight years ago when this terrorist incident took place. Hijackers held a plane and its passengers hostage on the tarmac at the Vienna airport, and it did not end well. In the modern day, Pine and Fishburne still work in Vienna for the CIA. Pine is the top agent. Fishburne is the boss. Price is retired, and Newton has moved to California and now has a husband and two kids. Back in the day, Newton and Pine were also lovers. Now, eight years later, the CIA headquarters types in Langley have learned there may have been a mole in the Vienna office, and the thing on the plane may have gone south because of that mole, with Fishburne now tasking Pine to find the mole. What follows, for the most part, is Chris Pine and Tandy Newton having dinner at a fancy restaurant in her California town that she's moved to. It's called Carmel by the Sea. That's actually the town that Clint Eastwood was famously the mayor of at one time. And now Pine interrogates her about the night of the attack and of their own relationship which also went south soon after that incident. And the movie flashes back and forth between eight years ago and today and there's twists and turns unraveling themselves and mysteries are introduced and solved and all the things you would expect in a spy thriller. Although not a lot of proper action. It's a sitting down and talking kind of movie for the most part and after about 45 minutes or so when I realized that we were not going to see any real fights or foot chases or anything remotely James Bondish. I did start to find it a little tedious. I wouldn't say it's boring. The story is interesting enough to keep you watching. The performances are terrific. Tandy Newton's regularly the best part of whatever she's in. She's literally the only reason to watch Mission Impossible 2. She's the best part of Westworld, and she's the best part of this. As time goes on, I like Chris Pine more and more. I don't I've not seen everything he's in by any stretch, but I don't think I've ever not liked him in anything. I, I do feel like he's a little underrated. I really like that Jack Ryan movie he made a few years back. So maybe now with this, he should think about uh, doing more spy stuff on a regular basis. But, Something with more action, because that's what's, you know, missing from this. It it seemed noticeable that it was a pandemic production. That restaurant they're in, that half the movie is set in, uh, is almost empty, except for like a guy at the bar and another table of two. It's weird how when there are a bunch of extras around, you don't really notice them, but when there aren't any, it's very obvious. Um, But I would say if you do like spy movies, this is definitely worth a shot. They're not reinventing the wheel. It's just a satisfying tale with twists and turns, uh, like you would expect, and even a genuine surprise or two. I'll also say that the night before I watched this, I watched 1996's The Juror, starring Demi Moore and Alec Baldwin, and that's a courtroom thriller that is... (laughs) So dumb that it really made me appreciate the yarn they were spinning and all the old knives. However, the juror was actually very entertaining in a how dumb is this kind of way. But there's and there's a a great performance from an all time at the time, uh, that guy, who was James Gandolfini, three years before he became, you know, the biggest actor on TV in The Sopranos, so uh, the jurors on Netflix if you're interested in that. But yeah, no, if you really like a spy story and you have prime video, all the old knives, definitely worth a watch, and it's good. It's only an hour and 40 minutes, so you're quick in and out three and a half couch cushions out of five, Brett
0: And the juror should point out not to be confused with the rural juror, or as they like exactly. to say on 30 rock, because no one could say the name, the Rur juror. <laughs> um, and uh, Chris Pine. Yeah. Underrated. I would agree with that. I think he's fantastic. He was the best part of wonder woman. 84. Um, oh, yeah. As Steve Trevor. And he was great in that train movie with Denzel Washington. Unstoppable. Uh, which yes. I actually haven't watched that in a while. That's one of those movies that I can just sort of turn on. It's a turn the movie on, turn your brain off kind of popcorn thriller. But yeah, he's great. So, And I never did see his Jack Ryan movie. I should look that up. In a moment, we are going to learn more about a new show on Crave called Tokyo Vice. And I actually watched a couple of silly 90s action movies because with Ambulance Out, the Michael Bay movie that had me thinking of all the old school action stuff I dug from the 90s and I watched three of my faves this weekend so we'll revisit those memories you're listening to The Couch Potatoes
1: Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes I'm Jeff, he's Brett we teed it up last week and I started watching this fantastic new show on Crave it's called Tokyo Vice You wish to be a crime reporter in Japan Why? You think because you're a foreigner the roads are different? Giving up and going home is not an option. You know what I mean? You know exactly what you mean. And let me guess, this is how you recruit a cop. Tokyo Vice is a drama created by J.T. Rogers, who has mostly been a playwright until now, one of the producers and the director of the first episode, one of my favorites, Michael Mann. He was the creator of Miami Vice, but the word vice is about the only thing the two shows have in common. Uh, Tokyo Vice stars Ansel Elgort from West Side Story as a young man who becomes a cub reporter for the biggest newspaper in Tokyo and it also stars Ken Watanabe as a longtime detective in Tokyo and how they are both investigating the same story albeit coming at it from different angles at least at first the series opens with a scene of the two of them together going to meet some Yakuza guys and then it flashes back two years and we see things happen from the start and presumably we'll catch up to that opening scene somewhere near the end there are three episodes out on Crave right now. Two more are being released by the time most of you will hear this, and then there'll be a total of eight for the series, all released in the next couple of weeks on Crave. It's an HBO Max show in the States, and HBO of course is almost always a symbol of quality. Should point out, the show's a mixture of English and Japanese language-wise. There have been uh, a lot of journalism shows, a lot of cop shows and movies over the years of course, and one of the things that helps this stand out is simply that it is set in Tokyo in 1999. Lots of things are just done differently in tokyo than we're used to in north america so on that very base level the show is interesting the way that newspaper he works for is run that's very interesting because a lot of that seems just bananas to me it might be too inside baseball if you're not you know working in the media to but i think this show does a good job showing elgort's initial frustrations with the bureaucracy involved at this newspaper the police stuff is a little cagey or at least so far i've watched the first two episodes we mostly see things from uh, elgort's point of view so it's hard to know what's up with the cops right out of the gate there have been some suspicious deaths and it seems like only elgort and watanabe are truly interested in digging deeper to find out what's behind them we also slowly learn about uh L. Gordon, why he's in Tokyo to begin with and all the things that You would expect from a a fish out of water kind of story. There's also a a nightclub where he moons after the hostess lady. There, I don't really get what's going on in that club, but there's an American woman who works there that he likes. But there's also there's this uh, yakuza underling who also likes her, so that's going to be trouble. And it'll undoubtedly all connect to his and Watanabe's investigation. It's based on a true story, a memoir written by the guy that Ansel Elgort is playing. And I'm all in. It's pretty great so far. The style did change quite a bit between episodes one and two but I guess that was bound to happen when you start with uh, a a prestigious director like Michael Mann and then give the camera to someone else. I I like Mann's sort of handheld documentary style better, but I mean, what are you going to do? At least we got one from him out of this series. It's good. I highly recommend uh, Tokyo Vice on Crave. Can't wait to watch the rest.
0: Okay. I will get on that as well. That was, uh, I can't remember if I recorded it, but I can just access the Crave app and get into it there. Yeah. We mentioned that Michael Bay, the new movie, *Ambulance*. Jeff reviewed it earlier. What did you give it? By the way, couch cushions.
1: I think that I gave it as I slowly bring it back up because they've actually <laughs> forgotten. <laughs> do, 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 do. Ah, three couch cushions out of five. Okay. okay, it's a not a great movie, but it's a very fun movie.
0: Yeah, and that's what that's Michael Bay's bread and butter. He he's made some yeah. awesome action movies: *Bad Boys*, *The Rock* and lots and lots more and let's just pretend that Transformers movies don't exist yes I know I like a couple of them but uh, for the the last two the four and five they're some of the worst movies I've ever seen but that got me thinking about silly fun action movies and because I recently watched Death on the Nile and had Egypt on the brain I decided to combine both of those things and revisit 1999's The Mummy There is an ancient legend of a place known as the City of the Dead. We call it the doorway to hell. Where well, the earliest pharaohs were said to have hidden the
1: wealth of Egypt. Are we going into battle? Well,
0: there's something out there. Something underneath that sand. I love this movie. It is dumb. It is really dumb. But it's just so much fun, and it's the kind of movie that I, that has grown on me more and more over the years. When I first saw it. I liked it, but I was kind of disappointed that they went more for a campy kind of adventure film tone. Almost like a like a comedic, semi-comedic Indiana Jones film. But uh, I was hoping that it would be scary because the trailer kind of made it look scary, but it, it's not scary. Not really. A couple of spots here and there. But it's just super fun. And Rachel Weiss, she is so good in anything she does, the, the the effort that she put into this movie is to be commended. Her and Brendan Fraser have great chemistry on screen. So I love the movie, and because I watched The Mummy, I had to watch The Mummy Returns. Oh no, not these guys again? Even dumber, this movie. But you know what? Who cares? The Rock is in as the Scorpion King. One of the, the most famously awful cg effects ever was having a cg version of the rock's face on the scorpion king monster at the end of this movie but i don't care the movie's super fun i didn't bother watching the third mummy movie the tomb of the dragon emperor because it is awful don't bother watching it not even just out of curiosity and speaking of michael bay i decided to re-watch this How big? It's what we call a global killer. Nothing would survive, not even bacteria. The United States government just asked us to save the world. Anybody want to say no? You think we'll get hazard pay out of this? We spend $250 billion a year on defense. And here we are. The fate of the planet is in the hands of a bunch of I wouldn't trust with a potato gun. Armageddon, starring Bruce Willis. That was Keith David as some military... Head honcho. But yeah, I watched Armageddon, the movie about the comet that is coming to obliterate planet Earth. So they send up a team of drillers to drill a big hole and drop a nuke into the comet. And I I should hate this movie. It is so cheesy and schmaltzy and hokey. And it's just typical big American action, patriotic, rah-rah, USA kind of stuff. And I don't care. I love it so much armageddon i can't remember you must have seen that movie before jeff
1: oh i've seen it uh, a few times it's uh I, I agree i like it more and more every time i see it when it first came out i was like oh man that was dumb but but now yeah i can appreciate a, the the banus of it all on that level
0: the banus the bayham and that is all the time we've got this week i am brett McGarry, he is jeff braun we are the couch potatoes make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you're listening to this show on the radio because the show also appears in podcast form And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.